is for you to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 5 with me. Uh, If you, uh, the procedure is that we have sermon notes uh, that you can have. We're not going to be doing PowerPoint, but uh, we do have these sermon notes. If you would like, if you don't have one and would like one, raise your hand and we'll see that you get one. Uh, Henry will help us here. So some of the scriptures we're going to be quoting and so forth are on here. And uh, one advantage to having the sermon notes is you know how close we are to getting done. Uh, So that's an advantage in itself. So you'll want one for that reason only. Oh, thank you for your kindness. Uh, Then there is a manuscript also of the message itself, uh, which will be available to you at the end. Uh, which uh, is available for you to uh, study through the week and do as a devotional kind of uh, approach. So appreciate the involvement. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, we're looking at verse 38 down through verse 42. And specifically, we're zeroing in on uh, verse 40. We've uh, spent several studies already on verse uh, 40. Uh, there are three that we are looking at, three studies that we're looking at in verse 40. And I think this is the middle one. Uh, So uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Here's what it says. You have heard that it it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. For whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Let's bow in prayer. Uh, We recognize these are your words, and we recognize that you are present here. And we recognize that you live within us. So God, there's no reason why we shouldn't understand exactly what you're saying since you said it. You're here and you're within us and can speak to us. And you know we're all in a different spot. We're all on a journey and we're in a different place in the journey. And so you may need to speak in a special way to each one of us because of where we are. For who would dare stand behind a pulpit and think he could communicate to everybody? Uh, So I ask for a movement of the Spirit of God, a communication of who you are, for you to grip us at the very depths of our being with the reality of truth, which is you, because you are the truth. So speak to us today, we pray thee, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, In the Sunday school hour, we talked a little bit about forgiveness. Forgiveness is an amazing thing. And I got carried away in that whole session. But uh, the forgiveness of God, folks, is just uh, when you think about it, if you experience it, it's better to experience it than it is to think about it, of course. But to experience the very forgiveness of God in your life is astounding. When you calculate all that you have done, all the hurt that you have offered... Uh, every bad thing that's been, that you've stepped into, every evil thought that you've had, every influence that you have placed upon others, everything that you've caused, the pain you've caused in others' lives, 
And then to think of the total absolute bathing of the presence of God in your life. Telling you it's all okay and you can start fresh. That is mind-boggling. Uh, Jesus told a parable about this rich man that went off and came back. And when he came back, one of his servants had embezzled the funds. And he had embezzled to the tune in our economy of $2,370,000 worth. I have a hard time comprehending that. It's probably more than will come in the offering today. $2,370,000 worth. And he pleaded with him because the only thing left was to sell him, his wife, his kids, and everything that the guy owned, which isn't going to amount to that much and will be just a piddling amount to get back. But hey, you do what you can do and get what you can get. And the man pleaded with him. And the master, get this, the master totally, absolutely forgave the debt. I mean, ripped up the note. I mean, canceled the total guilt. Can you imagine the guy looking at him saying, well, yeah, I suppose I got to wash your stinking windows for the rest of my life. No, you don't. No, you don't. I suppose I got to scrub your floors for that. No, you don't. No, you don't. What's the requirements on the forgiveness? There are none. I am totally, absolutely forgiving you and only ask that you live in the spirit and wonder of that forgiveness. Wouldn't, wouldn't you walk out of there snapping your fingers saying, Woo! I've been forgiven. Wouldn't you just sing that all the time to yourself? I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. Wouldn't that literally be so huge in your life that you would just revel in it all the time? Can you imagine what kind of day are you having? A forgiven day. <laughs> Wouldn't you just absolutely be out of yourself all the time? Just over, wow, I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. Two million, three hundred and seventy thousand. Just steps out the door there is a fellow servant who owes him $16.69 grabs him by the throat pay me all I'll throw you in jail I'll own it to you in good faith you owe me I worked hard for that money can you see him Listen, you, you were just forgiven 2,370,000. What is 16 bucks? Go down to Walmart and pick up the coins on the parking lot and you'll end up with that. Come on, what is that? Don't you realize you will never be offended? No one will ever hurt you as much as you have hurt. Because dear friends, you are in the category of 2,370,000 worth. And what's been done to you is 16 bucks. 
And you can just afford to be lavish and extravagant and reckless. <coughs> Living in the forgiveness. Our passage, verse 40. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have. It's interesting that the word let him have, which is the main verb of the sentence. Let him have. Let have is a translation of the Greek word aphiomi. Aphiomi. It's a phenomenal word. And as you go through the New Testament, you will see in the sense that it's using here, it has the idea of to allow, to permit, to release. Every time it's used in the New Testament, there is a forcefulness to it. In other words, it's not just a casual, it's not you come and take it from me. No, I release it, I give it to you. There's a, there's a kind of a force, at least in tone, if not physical, there is a tone of forcefulness to the word. Aphiomi, say it with me. Aphiomi, one more time. Aphiomi, you need to get this word down. Aphiomi, it's a phenomenal word. Think of it, aphiomi, to release. For instance, it's used in uh, Matthew 13, 36, where Jesus sent the multitudes away. He aphiomied the multitudes, which is forcefully said, hey, we're done. Uh, in Matthew chapter 27, it's used for Jesus, it says, when he hung on a cross and he yielded up his spirit in death. You know, Jesus didn't die of crucifixion. He gave his life up. He said he would, you know. No man will take my life from me. I will lay it down. I will take it up. So no one, he didn't die of crucifixion. Do, do you know you can't pull that off? There's no way you can pull that off. See, I can't just stand here to, at this moment and say, I think I'll die right now. I'm dead. You can't do that. You can't will yourself to die. You got to jump in front of a bus. You got to slit your throat. You got to do, take a gun. You got to do something to cause it. Jesus yielded a theomede, a theomede. His life, his spirit gave it up. That's the word that's used there. See, there's a force to that. He a theomede. But what I want you to get this morning is this word oh, is the word that's used for forgiveness. I haven't checked them all out, but I'm convinced that every place, every, every place I've looked to see where the word is trans, where the word forgiveness shows up in the English translation, it is always the word aphiomy. For instance, if you look, for instance, at Matthew chapter 18, what the story we just told. The master, the 2,370,000. It says, the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and aphiomede forgave his debt. Aphiomede. Forgiveness. In fact, if you stay right here in Matthew chapter, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6, and you go to verse 12, in the Sermon on the Mount, what does Jesus, or in the Lord's Prayer, what does Jesus say? And forgive us, aphiomede. Our, us, our debts. As we aphiomi, our debtors. So the word aphiomi is all wrapped up in this idea of forgiveness and it's always translated every time forgiveness is there, aphiomi seems to be the word. 
For instance, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, Therefore I say to you, Jesus said, every sin and blasphemy will be a fiamid. <laughs> oh, I love it. A fiamid men. Can you tell? I love that. A fiamid. Isn't that a great word? A fiamid. In fact, where I am in my thought process and in the study of the word, this idea of a fiamy and forgiveness, I know it's used other ways. I got that. Jesus yielded up his spirit. I got that. Jesus uh, sent away the multitudes. I got that. A fiamy can be used other ways. But see, in my thought process and in my study, what's happened is a fiamy and forgiveness have just come together. So every time you say anything, every, every time you come to the word a fiamy in any passage, it has this tone about it. Of forgiveness for me. I think that's in our passage. See I think in verse 40. That what he's saying is. If anyone wants to sue you. Well the mean rascal. I know. If anyone wants to sue you. Ah yeah he isn't doing it. But he wants to. He wants to strip me down. In fact he wants to sue me. And take away my tunic. Which we discovered was your underwear. So he literally wants to strip you down naked brother. He wants to take every dime you got. He's out to get you. What the mean rascal. The no good. I'm telling you. What am I to do? Well here's a new rule. Let him have your cloak. <laughs> it's not a new rule. Jesus isn't giving us new rules, people. Well, the guy wants to take away my underwear even. Strip me down to the bare necessities of my life. And you say, Jesus, what I'm supposed to do is go in and get my overcoat in the winter, middle of the winter and hand it to him. Now I'm not only going to be naked, I'm going to be without even the warmth of a coat. That's not what he's saying. Wouldn't it be interesting if that the heart of let him have is the idea of forgiveness. That it's not a rule at all. It's the whole attitude and embrace of forgiveness. Wouldn't that be interesting if what he's calling us to in fact, wouldn't it be interesting if that was true in every one of the illustrations he's giving? That it's all about a fiamy tone, atmosphere of forgiveness. Let me try to shape that concept for you. And this is only the introduction. We haven't got to the real points yet. Number one is the idea of embracement. Let me suggest to you that in forgiveness, as in our passage, in forgiveness, the first thing that has to happen is that the offended has to recognize the sin of the offendor. Well, manly, that makes sense, I know. So maybe for once I made sense to you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. If you are going to have any kind of forgiveness at all, you're going to have to recognize that sin has just been committed against you. But that isn't the idea. You've got to go beyond that. Come on, go beyond that with me. It isn't just that I see, hey, I've come up to you. I've offended you. I've, I've done something against you. I want to sue you. I'm a mean, nasty, 
I'm just a terrible, evil person and I'm coming after you. And you recognize that sin coming after you. You're not just to recognize the sin. That's not the point. You're not to recognize the sin. You are to go over the top of the sin and not see what the sin is doing to you. You're to see what the sin is doing to the individual who is against you. Oh, you didn't get that because I didn't explain it well. See, the idea is that you come and offend me. You come and do something against me. And what's my immediate reaction? Oh, they hurt me. Oh, did you see what they... Well, that's not... Oh, that's not fair. Well, I'll, I, I'll never be the same because of they... That's not... They don't have a right to. Oh, oh, oh. That's not to be your reaction. You know what your reaction is to be? You're to look at the sin that's coming after you and bearing consequences within you. And you're to look at that sin and go over the top of it and see what the sin is doing in them. Do you understand that sin within the individual is always destructive? Can you imagine the guy that hates you and wants to sue you and take away the bare necessities of your life? Can you imagine what that hate is doing in him? Have you got the grace of God enough to stand back and view the whole situation and say, Whoa, look at what that hate is doing to his family. Look how it's spilling out on his kids. Look at what, oh my stars, do you see what it did to his wife? Do you see how it's reacting in his community? Do you see how his neighbors can't stand him? Do you see, well, down at his job, can you imagine what that hate is And instead of looking at what his sin is doing, well, I'm hurt, I'm... Can you go over the top of that and look at what the sin is doing in his life? And how devastating and disastrous and damning it is within him. Well, man, like, give me an example of that. There is a Trinity God. Can you imagine? You took your fist and put it in his face. What an idiot I am. He could step on me like a cockroach. He could remove the breath right out of my being. I got the nerve to look at God and say... And all the sin and self-centeredness that spilled out of my life to him. And you know what God did? Sat on his throne and said, oh, they hurt me. You know what God did? He went over the top of every rotten thing I've done. And saw what it was doing. And saw the devastation. And saw the ultimate damnation. And saw the hurt in my family. And saw the pain in my kids. And saw the, and said, oh, I can't stand this. And embrace me. That's the passage. That's the passage, folks. 
listen to this verse. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him God, made him Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So what did God do? He went over the top of my sin. Didn't look at what the sin was doing to him. Hey, that wasn't even the picture. See, it wasn't, well, this isn't fair. Well, he doesn't have a right to. Well, man, I just ought to eliminate. See, it wasn't that. He went over the top of my sin and literally embraced me and saw. See, if this passage is going to be fulfilled in your life, the very first thing that has to happen is you have to be able to look at the sin that the individual is committing against you and see what it's doing to him. Not what it's doing to you. Oh. But it's worse than that. This is so radical. Not only is there an embracement. There is an elimination. So what has to happen if this passage is going to be true in your life? What has to happen is you have to be able to embrace the individual. Not look at what the sin is doing to you. But embrace the individual and see what the sin is doing in their lives. And embrace them. And when you embrace them and see what the sin is doing in their life. Do you know what takes place? You get involved in eliminating that sin. In other words, if you have the capacity to go beyond their sin and what it's doing to you and see what it's doing to them, it will drive you to embracing them and doing everything you can do To eliminate the destruction and sin in their lives. I'm not talking about forgetting about what they've done to you. I'm not talking about a mental block. I'm not talking about caretaking. I'm talking about seeing what sin is doing to the individual... Who is attempting to do something to you. And see what that sin is doing in their lives. And so embracing them. That you become a part of the single soul redemptive purpose. Which is to eliminate that destruction and sin in their life. You know what we call that? Evangelism. That's evangelism. That's evangelism. See, you come to me and say, I want to win my next door neighbor. I want to evangelize my next door neighbor. Well, good. Memorize the four spiritual laws and give it to him. Put the Ten Commandments in your front yard. Oh, come on. How are you going to win your next door neighbor? How are you going to win the guy at your job? 
How are you going to evangelize? How are we going to take this community? Well, we're going to have nice services on Sunday morning. Now, what we're going to have to do is, in the real life situations, the mean, nasty person who is just full of sin and he's, and, and he's just pouring it out on me, I'm going to go beyond all that that sin is doing in my life and all the results and consequences of that sin in my being. I'm going to go over the top of that and I'm going to see what it's doing in his life and that is going to literally break me until I just cannot stand it and I've got to get involved in the destruction that's going on in his life and bear the penalty and burden of that in my own system. What would that look like? I shook my fist in the face of God. And what did he do? Oh, manly hurt me. No, he didn't. You know what he did? He leaped into the destructiveness of sin in my life and said, I'm going to eliminate it. Folks, sin always has consequences. And consequences of sin have to be paid. What's our passage? The old timer said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's fair. You poke out my eye, I poke out your eye. Why? That's fair. Why? Sin has consequences. And your anger and your meanness and your nastiness that caused you to poke out my eye is going to result in your eye being eliminated. I'd like to do too, but they won't let me. <laughs> what if, Jesus said, the guy pokes out your eye in his meanness and nastiness. And you don't poke out his eye. You go over the top. And see what his evil is doing within him. And you say. How can I not poke his eye out? What good would that do? How can I literally change the inner core of his being? How can I be the demonstration of the love of God in his life? How can that take place? I will bear the consequence of his sin. Sunday school class, we use the illustration. A guy takes his fist, socks me in the mouth. I can forgive him. But if I really forgive him, I have to bear the consequence of his sin. I'm the guy that has to go to the dentist, man. I'm the guy that has to live with a wired jaw. Would you get in so involved with me 
whatever my sin does to you, you would bear the consequences of it so I wouldn't have to? Would you love me that much? And would that start a redemptive process in my life? Man, I can't do that. I know. Somebody pokes my eye out, I'm going to poke their eye out. Me too. <laughs> Somebody steps on me, I'm stepping back. I know. You take my parking spot and I'll flatten your tires. I know. You kick me in the shin, <coughs> I will kick you back. I know. It's just the way I am. I know. Which is why the premise of the Sermon on the Mount absolutely has to be. Because I am totally helpless and I cannot pull this off. And anything Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount is absolutely ridiculous. So if you go out of here saying, Manly, what you preached this morning and all that he's saying in these verses is absolutely stupid. Nobody's going to live that way. I agree. It's impossible. Unless the premise is true. Which you just proved is true. Because I'm totally helpless and I can't pull this off. There's no way I can act that way. No way I can feel that way. Yeah, I can follow a rule. You sue me. I will give you my coat. Why? Because I have to. But I'm going to cut the sleeves out of it before I give it to you. <laughs> See, I, I can't, you, there's no, I can't, I'm not. He, folks, he has got to come and fill me. I've got to know his heart. Or I can't even come close to this. There is no way I'm not going to focus on what you do to me and how you hurt me and the meanness of your life. There's no way you ripped me off. There's no way I'm not going to focus on that. Unless, unless my helplessness is filled with him. And if he comes and I have his mind, could I think like he thinks? Could I feel? Could I be the redemptive force he is? Could I become the flesh of God? Are we really his body? And what did he do with his own body 2,000 years ago? Nail it to a tree. Could I be his body in this community for your life? And if that happened, what would you call that? Evangelism. Evangelism. Folks, the minute, the minute we become program-centered, we're off. Career-centered, we're off. We're off. We're off. Because Jesus is always 
redemptive-centered. Lord, forgiveness. 2,370,000 worth. You forgave me. And Lord, maybe in some feeble way I can comprehend that because you're God and you're... But then I see it in the book of Acts spilled out in the lives of men who took it on the chin who were fed to lions, who were burned alive, who were... who embraced the consequences of sin in their world. Who were stoned and said, Father, don't accuse them of this. Don't lay this sin to their charge. Could you make me a forgiving person? Not a forgetting person. but a forgiving person. Heads are bowed. Wouldn't it be something, just while we're praying, wouldn't it be something if you this morning in this place I'm talking to you don't really know haven't really been embraced by haven't really experienced the forgiveness of God Wouldn't it be an exciting thing for you to experience that for the first time in your life? Or for a new in your life? Wouldn't it be something to walk in here with guilt and oh, insecurity and oh, worthlessness and and walk out being a valued son of God. Because you're forgiven. Would you come and just receive all he's put in place for you? Would you just 
embrace the forgiveness today. He's ripped up the note. The 2,370,000, he's ripped it up. Come on, you can live in that. There is no wall between you and him. Come on. He broke down the wall. But folks, maybe you have received the forgiveness. But somehow in the midst of all of it, there's the $16.69. And do you understand the end result of that parable? Because the servant that had been forgiven 2,370,000 would not live in the spirit of the forgiveness. The forgiveness was nullified. He no longer could experience it. Unforgiveness conquered the forgiveness. And if you say, well, I'm just not capable. I know. I can't get over what they did. I I get that. Well, you don't know how. I know. I don't. My life will be permanently. I, yeah, I got it. I got it. You're probably right. They poke my eye out and it'll never come back. I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But there is a Jesus who wants to invade you and give you his mind and take you beyond and create in you a flow of his redemptive blood that changes your world. And for the sake of your kids, for the sake of your wife, for the sake of your husband, for the sake of people around you, for my sake, for the sake of the church, in God's name, for the sake of Jesus. Could we be embraced by his redemptive nature? So our altar's open for you to experience that in him. Moments of seeking.